You're listening to highlights from the Creative Processes interview with producer Joy Gorman-Weddles. This podcast is supported by the Jan Michalski Foundation. With Unprisoned and with really my whole body of work as a producer, I'm really drawn to stories that make people feel seen, that take issues that have stigma and shame attached to them. And I hate using the word normalize, but making those issues just more palatable and more human. And do people realize that 50% of American families are touched by incarceration? And when you meet someone like Tracy McMillan, who really is a miracle, this is a woman who's now in her 50s, who grew up in 22 different foster homes because her father was incarcerated when she was so little. And yet, for all of his mistakes, the fact that he was a career criminal, he still, when he could, changed her diapers. He was present when he could be there. He braided her hair and there was real love there. But they were separated not only by his mistakes, but by a system that is really unforgiving and really unfair, especially to Black and brown men. So the idea that we could tell a story where a young woman who was raised that way and by that person turns out to be Kerry Washington, you know, turns out to be somebody who you want to be, turns out to be Olivia Pope. This woman that we all see is so beautiful and such a hero and so strong and so powerful, I felt was just an incredible opportunity. When you really look at the data, when you look at the foster to prison pipeline, over 80% of males who age out of foster care end up incarcerated. So there are two broken systems that work hand in hand here. And we have the opportunity of a real success story. A woman who is a brilliant writer, is a relationship expert, knows how to write television and survive this upbringing and reunited with her father. And of course, the show is fictionalized and her dad didn't actually come and live with her. But we really try to not only explore how a family can heal and how you can love someone who made a lot of mistakes, but how you have to have boundaries and heal yourself. The question we ask at the end of the series is, who do you want to be? And that's a hard question to answer. And so what we hoped by putting Edwin out into the world of popular culture is to have more people see that uncle, that father of your friend, that brother who got in trouble with the law and spent time in prison, to see all the possibilities of who that person can be. Who do we want to be? as citizens of our community, to help re-entering citizens thrive and survive and be able to heal and love with their families. To truly understand how hard it is just to get your driver's license, he has to go back to where he was born and get a birth certificate to try to get a driver's license. The amount of red tape that you have to push through to re-enter society and thrive, it really is no surprise why the system has created a cycle of folks going back. And it's why, for me, I've just been drawn to the heroes of these stories for a long time. I used to, with my friend Scott Budnick, who started the Anti-Recidivism Coalition. I used to go to juvenile prisons. 
and volunteer with those young men. And you see these kids who are put away at 12 and 13 years old. I mean, what is the path for that child? Rejected by your family, rejected by your community. Just there's so little hope there. And so I became drawn to stories of hope of men who were in that situation incarceration disproportionately affects Black families. And that is something that we all need to take very seriously and work on. And so that is a huge piece of the work. And it's, I think, a big piece of the work of Onyx Collective as a new network label under Hulu and in the Disney family, putting more positive, complex, layered Black characters in premium shows with high budgets is just really, really crucial. It's really crucial to how folks are understood and perceived and stories are empathy machines. We in Hollywood, I believe, have a real responsibility. We're certainly not nearly the most important job in the country, but we are the most visible. And so we better be doing things right because if too many people see a misrepresentation of folks, then we haven't used our power for good. I'm big on you being a book that kids love, I'm probably going to come and adapt it. I'm probably going to come after it because adults fail children all the time because we are afraid of their feelings. We are afraid of what they can get themselves into until it's too late. And we're avoidant as a culture with them. And we've also left them a pretty screwed up world where they're living in it terrible state of anxiety. They've got lockdown drills in kindergarten. They don't know if a gunman's going to walk into their school. And they've got so many images coming at them, good and bad. I don't think I really knew until all the research at 13 Reasons Why that the frontal lobe wasn't really developed until you were 25 years old. And that these impulses to want to leave, to want to die, to want to not believe that there's a version of staying are very real and Too many children are feeling those impulses. We recently met with Matt Rittell, who does the New York Times column about mental health and his great daily episode from September, where he talks about how hormonally our kids, probably because of our crazy food and GMOs and God knows what else, I'm not a scientist, but how hormonally our kids are now going through puberty two, three years earlier developmentally, and yet our brains have not evolved to match what's happening hormonally because the hormonal stuff comes from environmental issues and our brains don't necessarily change in the same way. And so when you look at the spikes in suicide and anxiety and depression, a lot of that is coming from the fact that children are going through puberty earlier and their brains are not ready to process it. And these are things we have to talk about. I love people. I mean, I was blessed or cursed with the name Joy. So through my traumatic childhood, I was always jazz handsing and connecting with people. (laughs) And so I'm often drawn to a story because of the person, because it's someone's story. Or I'm drawn to a story like 13 Reasons Why, because I see a white space. I can often feel a sense that oh my God, there's so many people who feel like this and they don't know that a bunch of the rest of us feel like this. So that is the nugget of what will bring me to a story.
I grew up in Yonkers, New York, which is right outside the Bronx, a working class area. And there was a very charged desegregation case going on in the late 80s. When I was zero years old, guys, which I forgot, I'm trying to pretend that I wasn't already in middle school in the late 80s. And I didn't know why these girls hated me. Like, I thought they were so pretty. And I just wanted to hang out with them. I watched Eyes on the Fries on PBS. And I saw the March on Cicero. And I saw girls who looked just like me with blonde ponytails, Italian and Irish working class girls throwing bricks. And I was like, oh my God, what is this world that we live in? I think in retrospect, That's when I felt content can change hearts and minds. My school was not teaching me that. My school, there were kids having racially charged fights every day and nobody was showing us eyes on the prize in the classroom until like 11th, 12th grade. And so when I became a producer and a grown-up and I said, I'm going to focus on impact, I was like, I'm going to call the rights holders of eyes on the prize and see if there's a way to pick up where Henry Hampton left off or adapted for scripted. What drew me to Hildy was I was in the audience at the Tribeca Film Festival with our film, The Meddler, and she got an award. This nine-year-old gets up and got an award because this video went viral. And it was just at the beginning of that conversation around fake nares and Trump sort of discrediting all journalists. And then also all the clickbait that was going on. And it was like the beginning of the social dilemma. We have no idea what's true. It's coming at us. And to hear out of the mouth of a nine-year-old that she believes in the First Amendment and she's here to defend the truth. It was like this pure clarion call from out of the mouths of babes that this child could be the solution if we could create that CSI effect around journalism for young women like Hildy and have kids feel like they can shape the truth and protect the truth. That was what drew me to that story. You have to trick people to realizing that a child is a worthy protagonist. And to me, it mirrors how we've treated them in the world. Like we're leaving them a mess and you don't want to take them seriously at the center of a story sometimes. And these are things that I think are just so important that kids will have better tools Families will have better tools to deal with these things that will inevitably happen to you if you get to watch it on a TV show first. I was a latchkey kid, and the days my grandma couldn't take me, Oprah had me. So I learned so much from watching television about who you want to be and who you can be. And I think that's why I love finding real people like Hildy, like Tracy McMillan, and getting to fictionalize their stories but capture the essence of them for an audience to feel connected to. We hope you've enjoyed listening to these highlights. To listen to the latest episodes or learn more about participating in exhibitions or interviews, click on subscribe. Thank you for listening.